This episode of Brailcast Extra is made possible thanks to a grant from the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information about the Trust, visit its website at wcmt.org.uk. Good evening on this very chilly Tuesday here in the UK, the 26th of January 2021, and welcome to this masterclass entitled Using Braille on Windows. My name's Matthew Horsepool. I am the secretary of the Brailleists Foundation who are presenting these masterclasses. Uh, just for some housekeeping, I should start off by saying that this session is being recorded. You can find the recording at brailleists.org media a few days after the session finishes. We will also be publishing some complimentary notes in a handout form. These notes will also be available from the media page. They haven't been distributed in advance and you won't need to refer to them during the session. So please don't worry about that. But don't feel like you need to take copious notes yourself either because the official notes will be made available. If you don't like websites but you'd still like to catch up with the recording of today's session you can do so via our Brailcast podcast and that is listed in all of the major podcast directories including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts and all of the apps that base their listings off those directories. So for example Overcast, Castro, uh, specialist devices like the Victor Reader Stream. Uh, You can also get it on British wireless for the blind radios like the Sonata and the Bumblebee. You can get it on smart speakers like the Amazon speakers, uh, she who shall not be named, uh, the the Google Assistant, uh, the HomePod, all of those. If you ask it to play Brailcast or you search for Brailcast, all one word, you'll find all of the previous masterclasses that we have done and you'll also find some other interesting Braille-related audio content that we've put together over the years. These sessions are very heavily moderated. You'll notice that when you came in, you were automatically muted and you're not able to unmute yourself. This is all documented in our moderation policy, which can be found at braillists.org slash events slash moderation. If you'd like to ask a question, we ask that you don't try to unmute yourself. Uh, We ask that you instead raise your hands. On Windows, press Alt-Y. On the Mac, press option Y. On the telephone, if you're dialing in, you can dial star 9. Or if you're using an iOS device, particularly an iPhone, there is a more button down the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. If you double tap on that more button, there'll be a raise hands button there. Double tap on that. That will uh, put a little icon next to you and you will be acknowledged at the appropriate time. I'm delighted that there are a number of people joining one of these masterclasses for the first time today. A particular welcome to you if you're one of those. Uh, We are the Braillists Foundation. As I say, our mission is more Braille, put very simply, and there's a lot of activity that goes on in order to make that mission a reality. We have a book club on a Thursday evening at 6pm in the UK, an open forum on a Friday evening at 6pm in the UK, and a Braille for Beginners group on a Monday evening at 7pm in the UK, along with a number of other activities. And you can find out about those at braillists.org or our events page at braillists.org events. 
With that said, now that the waiting room has settled down, I'd like to introduce our moderator for this evening's session, Ben Mustill-Rose, who is our Head of IT Operations. Ben, good evening to you. Hey Matthew, thanks thanks for that good uh, good introduction. So uh, as Matthew said, we we tend to run a uh, relatively uh, tightly moderated call, but that's not because we don't want to hear from you at all. If anything, our calls are made by our audiences. It's just one of those things where if you've got well, actually, over sixty-five people in the room today. Goodness me! If uh, if everyone's unmuted and you hear lots of background noise, it's just really, really hard to hear people talk. So, uh, plenty of opportunity for questions and comments as the session progresses. Yeah, that's right. Uh, absolutely. And uh, for those of you living in the UK, uh, I should say, I forgot to say earlier on, we do have some uh, free equipment available, but that's only available to people uh, in the UK. And uh, we'll probably give some more information about that uh, at the end of the session. Uh, for people who are in the UK, you can stay on and, and find out about that. So this evening's session is entitled Using Braille on Windows, and uh, it's going to be presented by our head of courses at the Braillists Foundation, Holly Scott Gardner. Holly is an avid uh, Braille user, has been a reader and a writer of Braille uh, for a very young age, uh, very active in the advocacy space, has uh, taught technology and Braille and various other things over in America uh, for the National Federation of the Blind. And it's a real pleasure to have you here, Holly. Hello, uh, over to you. Hi, Matthew. Thank you for that introduction. That is, um, that makes me sound a lot more, I suppose, I don't want to say experienced, but it makes me sound definitely like I have done a lot of things. And I suppose in some ways I have, but it doesn't always feel like it. So it's really great to be here and be leading a session. Normally, you'll hear me at the beginning of the sessions introducing everyone and then handing over to whoever runs it. But as Matthew said today, I will actually be running this session looking at using Braille on Windows. Um, I'm going to give a brief overview of how I want to run this session, just so that you get an idea of what I'll be covering and where you might have opportunities to ask questions. Now, as we've mentioned, if you do have questions, feel free to raise your hand at any point. And then at various intervals throughout the session, I'll probably be asking Ben if there are any hands raised, and then we'll get to those. So I'm going to start by talking a bit about why you might want to use a Braille display with a Windows PC and what you can get out of it as a blind Braille user and what kind of setup you need to make this work. I'll then move on to talking about using Braille with JAWS, using Braille with MVDA, including both using Braille displays with MVDA and an MVDA add-on, which allows you to use your laptop keyboard to input in Braille. I'll talk about using Braille with Windows Narrator, which may come as a surprise to some of you. And then finally, I'll talk very, very briefly about producing Braille on a Windows PC. So I hope this gives you an idea of what I'm planning to cover. And sort of between all of those various different sections, I will give you the opportunity to ask questions. Though raise your hand at any point as soon as you have a question, and then we'll call on you. So to start off with, why might you want to use Braille 
on Windows? Well, there are several reasons for this. One quite significant reason why using Braille with a PC is actually very useful as a blind person is in areas where you're dealing with a lot of noise, you can control your PC fully without having to listen to your screen reader. This is also useful for people who are deafblind where their primary method of accessing a computer may be through Braille. And I know we have some people on these calls who are teachers or who work with blind students, whether they be children or adults. So it's always good to bear in mind that for some of your clients, particularly those who have hearing loss as well, using Braille may actually be the most effective way to interact with their computer. But for any of us, we may be in environments where it's loud. We might be at an event and having our headphones on is quite inconvenient. Equally, we might be somewhere where we really want to listen to what's going on. Now, I'm sure many of us have really got used to that technique of one headphone in and the other out. That's very easy with earbuds. It's less easy with headphones that go over your head. But I think we've all managed to make it work. But if you don't want to do that, and that can still be quite inconvenient to have your screen reader in one ear and then trying to listen with the other, Braille is a great solution. I am personally an advocate for using Braille with a PC when presenting. Now, I fully appreciate that many people can present from a screen reader. I myself am used to presenting using text-to-speech, so... It's not unheard of that I will get up and deliver a presentation just using a screen reader. However, if you have access to Braille, I think this opens up some more opportunities to you. You're able to not wear headphones. And for me personally, I feel like this helps me engage much more with the audience. You're not having to try and repeat what your screen reader is saying and rush to scroll back up to find the bit you just listened to and then forgot about. And I personally find that the audience also perceives me as more engaged, which is really important. I think not just how we feel, but how the audience feels about us. So that's a very brief explanation of ways in which Braille is useful, even though you're using a PC. Now, to use a braille display with your computer, you still need a screen reader. And this is something that confuses people. Some people think, well, I've got my braille display. I'm going to my friend's house. I'll just plug it into their computer and I'll use it. You actually need a screen reader in order to drive the braille display. So if you're using someone else's computer, you might want to look at something like NVDA, which is a free screen reader as that will not add any cost onto using your Braille display with a computer. But it is important to bear in mind that you do need a screen reader, even if you're not using speech output. And you may choose to completely silence the speech when you're using Braille with your computer, but the screen reader still needs to be actually on. So I'm going to talk a bit now about using a braille display with JAWS, which is one of the main screen readers on Windows. But before I do that, I just want to check if we have any very early questions. And so we'll just give people uh, 
bit of time to raise their hands once again. That's Alt-Y on Windows, Option Y on Mac, Star 9. If you're dialing in by phone or if you're using an iDevice like an iPhone, iPad or iPod Touch, you can press the More button in the bottom right of your screen and find the Raise Hand button. Uh, but uh, we don't have any questions at the moment. That was a, a really good summary, you know. I, th- I think some, sometimes, you know, people think, well, why why Braille, you know, when you've got your computer talking to you? But actually, I, th- I think you've well and truly proven there that actually there is still very much a place for it. I think it's personal preference as well. And different people are going to use Braille for different things. One thing I use it for a lot is proofreading. So I may do a lot of the proofreading with my screen reader and then check certain things in Braille. So I think, you know, one thing people get really intimidated about is this idea that it has to be either or. Whereas I think actually, you know, using a Braille display in conjunction with speech output is very, very useful. Definitely. Uh, well, no hands so far. So I think we're uh, we're good to move on. So using Braille with JAWS is quite simple and JAWS is actually set up to work with many many braille displays I'm not going to go through the whole list of them because we'd be here for a while and if you are interested in knowing whether JAWS will function with your braille display you can actually check when you're setting up a display you can look through the list so I'm going to talk about how to add a braille display so when you have installed jaws you'll want to go to the jaws option menu and this is very easy to access so when you're just on the jaws window you can hit alt plus o and then you can navigate down using your down arrow to braille and press enter on that and that will open up the braille settings you'll then want to move to there's a button that says add braille display and you'll activate that. And once you get to that window, you then have all the different options to choose your Braille display. So you're immediately put in a list of possible displays. So you'll just arrow down to find the display that you want. And then you can hit the next button and add your display. And it really is that easy. However, If you want to handle some more advanced Braille settings, you will want to go to the advanced Braille settings. And there's several ways to get there. So you can go back to Braille and tab until you hear advanced, or you can press insert F2, so the JAWS key and F2, and hit S until you hear settings center. And the setting center contains all kinds of settings relating to JAWS, but there is a whole section on Braille. And in that, you can choose things like translation. So what we mean by Braille translation is when your Braille display is connected to your computer using JAWS, it needs to know how to output that Braille. So you can set the language and how it's output. So for example, Mine is set to Unified English Grade 2, because that's what I read. But you might want to set the output to Grade 1, for example, or you might want to change the language. So I have 
well, JAWS itself has many, many languages set up as it is. You could go from English to French to German to Hebrew, Italian, all these different languages, and then select the output and the input that relates to that language. But there are other signs as well. So you can look at um, panning with your Braille display and how the, how the cursor is displayed as well. So all these settings are under the Braille settings within the JAWS setting center. And this is one of the most important areas of JAWS, whether you're using Braille or not, because you'll find all sorts of other settings for JAWS in here as well. And this is something that is good to play around with. So you may think, well, I don't quite know how I want the cursor to be displayed. So what you can do is actually go in there and take a look at the different settings and think, oh, well, maybe I'll try this one. And it's worth noting that when you find a setting, if you hit the tab key, it will take you into a read-only box where it will actually explain what that setting means. So for example, there's a setting that says, display text in eight dot mode. And it says, select this checkbox to have text displayed in eight dot braille, in eight dot braille mode, JAWS uses dot seven and eight on the braille display to indicate capitalization and special symbols in computer braille. So it, that explains what that setting actually means. So that's very useful because I know that certainly when I went to set up my braille display to start with, um, Sometimes I didn't know what the various different settings meant. So I'd mentioned planning earlier and what planning means is when you're moving forwards and backwards through text. So your braille display actually limits or effectively controls how much you can plan at a time. Because if you're using an 80 cell braille display, you could plan by 80 cells at a time. But obviously, if you're only using a 20 cell display, you can't do that. And different displays will control how you plan. So I can't tell you, for example, oh, well, you know, you're always going to use this button because if you're using something like an orbit, you'll be doing something different if you're using the Mantis Q40. However, typically on many displays there are panning buttons or there are methods of actually using the Braille keyboard to control moving backwards and forwards through the text. So what I would recommend is going and looking at the Braille keystrokes. Um, and JAWS does have a list on the, on Freedom Scientific, there's a list of the Braille input commands using the focus displays. And the reason that's on the um, Freedom Scientific website is because Freedom Scientific makes both JAWS and the Focus 40 or the focus line of displays. Whilst many of the commands may be slightly different if you're using a, a, another display, I do think it's useful to look at this list of commands because it gives a fairly solid overview actually of what you'll be needing um, in order to access JAWS with a Braille display. So I just want to check if anyone has any questions at this point. 
we'll just give everyone a moment or two to raise their hands once again. And you know, I do think it's really important to go through these things at least at, at least at a high level because I find that even though this technology can be really liberating from a blindness point of view, actually. If you don't know these things, if you don't know, oh yeah, that's that checkbox that I need to check. And and sometimes it's very non-obvious. If you don't know what to do in these situations, it can actually feel almost a, a little bit intimidating sometimes, I find. Yeah, I, I think so. It, it's definitely one of those things. My biggest piece of advice, and this is something that I always advise people, whether they're students of mine or not, is to go and explore the settings and try different things because you can always reset your settings back to the default if you really mess things up and you're never going to, well, you're very unlikely to break your computer. You might get yourself in a situation where you think, well, this is a bit inconvenient, but actually there's always a way out of it and it's better to explore than to not. Definitely, definitely. Uh, well, we uh, we don't have any hands raised at the moment, so I think we're good to press on. Okay. So, once you've set the settings you want for your Braille display and JAWS, you'll want to save the changes. So just tab through the settings center until you get to OK, and you'll hit the OK button because you definitely want to make sure that you save those settings once you've actually set them all up. I will say that when you're actually getting set up with JAWS and you think, oh, well, I don't know how to do this and there's so many things that I can do with JAWS and my Braille display and this is confusing. One thing I really recommend is that people make use of the JAWS help information. So JAWS has really um, comprehensive help documentation and you can really easily access that when you're in JAWS um, by just hitting F1 when you're in that JAWS window. So you can go through and view all the different aspects of, um, of the help. So for example, starting JAWS, getting help. So th this goes far beyond Braille, but I think it's important to mention because you really need screen reader proficiency when you're using Braille on Windows because your screen reader and the Braille display interacts with one another so heavily. I would also recommend the various different webinars and things that are available on the Freedom Scientific website. So again, if you go into JAWS and you find the help menu, you can look for things like training and there's also keyboard commands, which again, is very useful to know how to access and web resources. So I think it's good to find this stuff because for example, under the web resources, you can access the training webinars and also FSCast and FSCast is the is Freedom Scientific's podcast where they cover all kinds of different things relating to using JAWS on your computer. So again, whilst not all of these things strictly tie into Braille, they do relate because if you don't actually know how to use your screen reader, you're going to struggle or you may come up against things that actually aren't such a problem once you are very proficient with your screen reader. So I did a very, very brief overview of using a Braille display with JAWS and I really didn't delve too deeply into all the more complex settings because I think that 
certainly for new users, the most important thing to know how to do is actually get your Braille display set up. Now, this session isn't designed for you to set up along with us, because as I said, you'll all have different displays. Things will be slightly different. However, in the notes, which will be going up on the website after this session, I do explain the steps of actually getting your Braille display set up and I link to the resources that are available should you want to access them. Um, I do also want to mention that there are some languages that are more difficult to access in Braille using JAWS, for example, biblical languages. However, tables have been created to enable you to get Braille output for those languages. So I'm talking things like biblical Hebrew and ancient Greek. And again, in that handout, I will link to the resource for those tables for any of you who are interested in accessing that, because I know that's a very niche thing, but I also know when we ran a session on languages, um, we had a quite surprising number of people who were really interested in biblical study. So if you are interested in that, you will find a link to those tables in the handout. Now I'm going to move on to talking a bit about MVDA which is a free screen reader. But once again, I'm just going to quickly check to see if we have any questions. Uh, once again, if people have uh, any questions about what we've covered, you can raise your hand by pressing Alt-Y on Windows, Option-Y on Mac, Star 9 if you're dialing in over the phone. And if you're on an iDevice like an iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, press the More button in the bottom right of your screen and find the Raise Hand button. You know, I always uh, people always talk about what you've learned during lockdown, and I think one of the only things that I'll be able to say that I've learned is how to raise your hand on Zoom because I've said it so many times now, but it it probably is worth uh, probably is worth repeating. Um, but we don't have any hands, so I think we're probably good to go to uh, MVDA with uh, just over half an hour remaining. So very much like. JAWS, MVDA has really comprehensive Braille support. And this is wonderful because as I mentioned, MVDA is a free screen reader. Now I am a JAWS user myself, but I was an MVDA user for, oh, I would say a solid 10 or so years. Um, so I'm definitely, you know, in favor of MVDA as well. So you can choose again, to have contracted or uncontracted Braille, both input and output on MVDA. And that is, you know, depending on the language you're using and, and what you want to do. So actually set up with, actually set up Braille, um, you'll want to go to the MVDA settings. And so to get to the MVDA settings, um, what you will do is you will hit the MVDA key and N. And the MVDA key, it, it does vary depending on um, what, what setup you have. On a laptop, it is typically the CAPSOC key. And you'll find um, the preferences submenu. And when you go to settings, it contains lots and lots and lots of different categories. And I think if this is kind of similar to the JAWS setting center, where I talked about all those different options that you had. So 
you'll want to go to the settings and then navigate to Braille. And from there, you can set up your various different displays. And again, NVIDIA supports far more displays than I can actually go through. Um, but what, what you can do is pick your display. So there'll be a change button where you can select your display. The output table controls different braille tables. So again, very much like when I said about choosing your language and then the output in JAWS, this is very much the same thing. So you're actually in a box and you navigate this using the arrow keys and you'll select how you want your braille to output. Then there's also an input table. So now you may want to write in contracted braille, but output in uncontracted braille. And that's absolutely your choice. That's something you can do as um, a screen reader user. And again, it depends on what you're doing and why you might want that. But these are settings that you have full control over. So you can also choose for the word that's under the cursor to be expanded to computer braille. And what that means is I mentioned computer braille earlier when I talked about eight dot braille and eight dot braille uses the bottom two dots on the braille display. So now when you have a word under your cursor, you can choose to expand that to computer braille. Not everyone will want to do that, but it is a useful option to have available. Likewise, you can turn the cursor on and off so that you can see it on your braille display. Now, I personally quite often like to see my cursor. Some people absolutely detest it, which is why it's really useful to have that option. Um, Again, having the cursor blinking. And what we mean by a blinking cursor is that your cursor will kind of drop in and out so that it will almost feel like it's flickering. And I personally can't stand that. Again, other people love it. So these kinds of settings really allow you to customize how you want NVDA to work with your Braille display. And I'm not going to go over them too much because again, it's very similar to a JAWS. And again, my answer to well, how do I know what settings to select is, again, it's personal preference. And I always advocate that people try new things. The worst that happens is you've got to reset your NVDA. And really, in the grand scheme of things, that's not that bad. You won't break your computer and you won't break your display. Maybe you'll get to a point where your Braille display just doesn't want to work with NVDA because of the way you've set it up. But again, just reset everything and start again. So I'm going to check quickly if we have any more questions. I know I check quite frequently, but I don't want to miss people. So uh, we are actually aware of a uh, technical problem at the moment that seems to be preventing people from raising hands, which we've uh, never experienced before. So what we'll do, if it's OK, Holly, okay. is uh, maybe if we just power on for a little bit um, and we'll look to resolve that um, at our end. Uh, but equally, if not, I notice that some people are asking questions in the chat. So what oh, I yeah. what I may do is if... Yeah, so maybe if that, though we've actually got quite a few so maybe if i just uh to spend a little bit of time collating them hmm. and uh, we can go from there but obviously uh, many many apologies to uh people who can't raise their hands and many thank yous uh to to everyone who raised that as well yeah well thank you for being so patient with us unfortunately sometimes you know there's not 
an awful lot you can do when it comes to technology. And despite running a technology webinar, sometimes it still fails. So I'm not going to talk too much about NVDA anymore. You know, it really handles Braille. I don't want to say the same as JAWS because that's not quite fair because they're different screen readers. So actually what they do is slightly different. But in terms of actually being able to pair Braille displays with both JAWS and NVIDIA and choose your language and output, you can do all of those things. So I am going to talk about Windows 10 and Narrator because it's one of those things that people go, well, you can't possibly use Braille with Narrator, but it is actually possible. And I actually went through earlier and experimented a bit to see how well Braille works with Narrator. And as we know, Narrator, not a perfect screen reader, but certainly in a pinch, it's very useful to have around. So to work, to use a Braille display with NVDA, your Braille display needs um, a USB or serial port. So you'll want to set up Braille on Narrator by pressing the Windows key with Control and N. So Windows Control N. And what that does is that opens up the Narrator settings. You have to tab through quite a lot of settings, but then you'll get to the Braille settings. And there will be a button which says download and install Braille. And that takes a few minutes. Really, I suppose it depends on your connection and various other things, how quickly the Braille installs. Um, when it downloads, it will pop up asking you if you want to turn on Braille. It was toggled on by default when I tried it. You'll want to listen because it will say on after the button, or it certainly did when I was doing it. I was using JAWS at the time, so it may affect how it reads it. Um, then you'll want to add your Braille display. So you'll want to choose the manufacturer of the display, much like you did with JAWS and NVDA, um, and then choose the connection type. So whether it's a USB or serial port. So there are options to change the drivers uh, if NVDA, um, if, sorry, Narrator isn't working with your Braille display. I'm not going to go into managing drivers right now because I think you only need to do that if actually it's not working. But I will link to all this information, like I said, in the handout, if you really want to delve into this in more details. Now, I think it's quite exciting that we've got Braille display support on Narrator. I remember the days of Narrator basically not being able to do anything. Um, so the fact that we're now at a point where we're looking at Braille and things like that is actually a good thing. Um, again, you can manage Braille preferences in Narrator. So the language, um, the Braille type, so things like um, grade one or grade two. Notification timeout. So sometimes if you get a notification, it will pop up on your display and you can set a number of seconds in which it automatically just then disappears from your display. And how the cursor is displayed. Again, talking about that cursor, which blinks, like I mentioned with NVIDIA, very similar in Narrator, you have those kinds of options as well. There is a list of the various different um, commands that you could use with Narrator that relates to Braille. I'm not going to go through all of these because, again, you may not actually have any interest in using Narrator with a Braille display, but these are linked to, um, to 
in the handout and it does actually give information about mapping for different braille displays as well which is useful um because the different supported braille displays may handle things slightly differently so that is a very brief overview of um narrator and there's this whole list of braille displays it supports which is categorized by manufacturer which is quite a nice convenient list um i can't vouch that it's 100 percent up to date but it is relating to windows 10 and microsoft is normally decent at keeping their stuff up to date so it may not mention some of the brand new displays but it is mentioning new-ish ones so i'm going to check and see if we have any questions as well and try and stop talking for a few seconds <laughs> no no problem um so uh, again still experiencing some problems with raising hands but i've just dropped a message in the chat uh and so i think what we'll do for now is if people are able to i know that chat is uh, slightly hard to to use sometimes if you're using a screen reader so many apologies once again but uh, if people are able to put their questions in the chat i will uh, field them uh, to to holly if that's okay with everyone um got a got a really good question about um computer braille i know we touched mm -hmm. on this briefly but um can you are you able to talk a bit about uh what the differences are at a, at a high level between sort of uh, eight dot braille and computer braille and what the perceived benefits are of it right so when we talk about computer braille we basically mean eight dot braille and the benefits of computer braille really were that if you were entering something like an email address you could enter an at sign for example using computer braille very conveniently which wasn't something you could conveniently do in braille before now we can debate whether the same need arises for computer braille now we have ueb because there are very clear conventions in ueb for writing things like at signs so actually you wouldn't need computer braille to do that so in some ways i think we can argue that in some ways computer braille is redundant certainly on things like note takers for inputs um you could really do most of this using um ueb however i think there are people who would feel far more comfortable with computer braille and there are times when it, it's still useful to see things like at signs and punctuation and numbers written in the computer braille format so that may not seem like the best answer it, it really was that in my personal opinion computer braille has somewhat lost its usefulness but i don't know if that's necessarily a fair thing to say or if that's more my personal opinion i think just coming in uh, I, I think i would largely agree with you um the, the mm -hmm. only thing the only point where i disagree with you slightly is that um that there was the option that you talked about in nvda to expand uh, the word under the cursor to computer braille yes and that um th there is also an option there in jaws to do a similar sort of thing um mm -hmm. the reason why you might want to do that is because of cursor routing which we didn't i don't think we talked a great deal about cursor routing but that's that you've got the little buttons above the braille cells and uh, if you press the button above the braille cell, it moves the cursor to the whatever's under that braille cell. So if you've got a, a word that's contracted like Matthew with the T-H-E sign, if you press the cursor routing button above the T-H-E sign, where does that cursor go? 
So if you expand it to computer braille, then you can see the uncontracted form of M-A-T-T-H-E-W right. and you can be more precise with your cursor routing about where the cursor is. So that's why you might want to do that particular option. Yeah, I would agree with that, actually. I would agree with that, certainly for handling what's where the cursor is and looking at individual words. I wouldn't, for example, set my output table to computer braille all the time but I may have it that I can expand the word under the cursor um, I think it's also useful maybe when there is a word with a lot of contractions and certainly for some braille readers who may feel kind of overwhelmed by that when you expand out into computer braille you're actually going to see that written effectively in a grade one type format so that can also be helpful yeah um we seem to have an absence of Ben uh, at the moment, so I'll um, I'll carry on uh, for now. There was quite a technical question that came in about use of UIA. Um, I, I won't worry too much about that question. Uh, thanks for raising it, though. Um, the UIA problem and JAWS, uh, obviously you don't want to turn off UIA if you can possibly manage it, so it might be worth uh, reporting that bug to Freedom Scientific. Um, and if you if you don't know how to do that, drop a line to help at braillists.org and uh, we'll get some more specifics and we'll, we'll sort that out. But clearly that is a problem uh, that at, at some point needs to be addressed. Um, we had a question about Braille Extender, the NVDA add-on. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that a little bit, Holly. Yes. So I'm presuming we're talking about um, the add-on for actually writing in Braille. And that there's actually, to my knowledge, I think there's now two add-ons that can do this. Um, so there's a PC Braille input add-on for NVDA. And so what you can actually do is... Um, use your QWERTY keyboard to write in Braille. So let's say you don't have a Braille display and you don't want Braille output, but you do um, want to be able to input in Braille, you can use F, D and S as dots one, two and three and J, K and L as dots four, five and six. And then you can use the A and um, your semicolon as your backspace and enter as it were. and then the space bar is as, as normal. And what you can do is actually write in Braille. So let's say you had a Microsoft Word document and, and what you write will appear as text, as ordinary text, but you can actually um, type as if you were typing in Braille. Now there is there can be problems with this in that particularly some laptop keyboards do not like you pressing some of these buttons down together. They go, well, no one should be pressing an A, a J and a K at the same time. And they can cause some problems with the add-on. Um, however, you know, that, that is unfortunately a problem specific to some laptops and their keyboards. Um, with this add-on, with the PC keyboard Braille input add-on for NVDA, one thing I thought was particularly interesting is that it has um, one-handed input, which is very, very useful if you're someone who maybe is unable to use one of your hands as well as the other. Um, and you can also use... Um, commands to actually navigate using this add-on which I thought was quite interesting um so for example space 
with dots one um, emulates the up arrow key. So that, that to me was quite interesting. You can actually do some navigation using this, this keyboard add-on as well. Um, it does use the NVDA's Braille support. So you'll want to set your various tables, so your input table using that, um, which I should probably note. And, and that the link to that add-on is in um, the handout as well. Okay, well, uh thanks very much uh, i'm sorry we're still having problems with the uh raising hands facility at the moment uh so we'll, we'll continue to work on that uh in the meantime uh some more questions in the chat um james wilson says is there some visual uh training uh on on how to do this for beginners um i don't know holly whether you wanted to come in on that i i know that there are some videos that hymns have done uh which are very good videos on how to set up uh actually how to set up hymns braille displays under windows uh but the the techniques would yeah. work just as well with other braille displays i think yeah i would say go and look at hymns humanware as well has fairly comprehensive now they're on youtube i can't actually tell you whether their videos were visuals because as a totally blind person the fact that they're on youtube doesn't necessarily mean they have video um but they are on youtube so humanware has fairly comprehensive training um also i would say if you're quite willing to read text although it's not visual in the sense of video there's lots and lots of text-based resources as opposed to audio um and i will quickly talk about sorry the other braille add-on as well for nvda if that's okay just very briefly um sure. because the braille extender add-on can be used in conjunction with Braille displays and this add-on is also quite useful because you can do things like switching to different modes and um, reloading Braille displays with shortcuts. So say if you've got two favorite displays, I don't know, let's say you've got an Orbit and a Mantis and I chose these two because they're quite different and you might want to use them for different purposes. You may have different settings depending on your display so you can set shortcuts to load the display you want. So that's quite useful as well. And you can use various different Braille tables at the same time and switch between those in a way that's a lot more simple than having to go constantly in and out of the settings. So again, that add-on doesn't necessarily, um, it, it doesn't allow you to do anything with NVDA if you don't have a display, but what it does is increases functionality when you do have a display. Sure. Um... We, we do have Ben back, uh, so I'll, I'll give Ben an opportunity to come in. Uh, there was a very quick question from Ben while I give, uh, from Theo while I give Ben some time to come in. It mm -hmm. was just asking about, uh, again, the option. Uh, he, he's saying that his, uh, when his cursor is, is on a word in NVDA, uh, it gets expanded to computer braille. And uh, yes, you can turn that off uh, in NVDA settings. We talked about that um, earlier on in the session. Yeah. Yes, but that's something that you can just toggle to turn on and off. Well, uh, we I think we have Ben back, but Ben may be doing some uh, technical wizardry behind the scenes <laughs> because he doesn't seem to be unmuting at the moment. Uh, I don't think we have any questions in the chat and we're still having problems uh, with raising hands because there are no hands raised um 
was there anything else that you wanted to cover uh, in the webinar at the moment? No, I was just going to very briefly mention about producing Braille on Windows. Now, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of this. I am not a Braille transcriber. And I, I've said this, I think, in multiple um, Braille events. And I say it because then everyone has extremely low expectations. And that's the best way um, when it comes to my transcription. So but you do have lots of options for actually producing hard copy braille or brf files on windows if that's what you want now duxbury is obviously the most well-known way of doing that it is a piece of software that you have to purchase um but it is an extremely extremely comprehensive piece of software used within the transcription industry if you are planning on really getting serious about producing braille um particularly if you have an embosser I would recommend Duxbury. There are other options. So things like Braille Blaster, which is a piece of free software. I have experimented with it um, with various different results. So I think, you know, it's worth checking these things out. Um, but I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of them. But what I will say is these pieces of software are accessible if you're a blind person. I think sometimes we can get... Um, in this habit of thinking well braille is something that's produced for us by people who can see and we can't produce it ourselves and that's not true now i'm not going to tell you how to produce braille because that's not where my skill set lies but should you want to produce your own braille these pieces of software are accessible and if you have access to them i'd recommend playing around with them to see what you can do Thank you very much. Uh, once again, I think we may uh, have a, a Ben in the room uh, to give Ben time to reacquaint himself with where we're at at the moment. We've had a very interesting question in the chat uh, from Steve Bauer. Good evening, Steve. Uh, good to have you with us. Uh, Steve says, does using Braille with narrator preclude you from using Braille with other screen readers? I mean, you won't want your screen readers running at the same time, but then you wouldn't want them running at the same time anyway. But no, absolutely, you should be able to use Braille with Narrator and with JAWS, for example, and switch between your preferred screen reader. Um, there are some issues with the drivers, which I mentioned earlier, but there are instructions for resolving this on the Microsoft website. So if you are having problems where, say, the driver isn't working, then um, I, I would recommend checking out the instructions, which will be in that handout and seeing if that fixes it. But you absolutely should be able to have multiple screen readers installed on your computer and use Braille with these screen readers. Yeah, and uh, if it does go wrong, uh, possibly just turn Braille off and, as you say, change the driver. Uh, I have actually had problems. There's some, uh, Chris Norman in the chat has said that he's had problems. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely turn Braille off, change the driver, and that should um, yeah. sort it out. Unfortunately, um, it's a known bug as it were so it's it, you shouldn't have problems but that doesn't mean you won't um and it's something that again i know matthew you mentioned reporting a bug to freedom scientific now i would say the same with microsoft and narrator because actually their accessibility team does want to work on this stuff so if you're finding these bugs then please report them so we can have better braille in future sure uh we have a question from Jenny uh, Suchan, I think is how you pronounce that name. Uh, she did send some questions earlier on, but we didn't see them. Um, 
she's talking about the focus and the review curse. So let me see if I can read this. Uh, hopefully the the oh, have we got? Is that Ben unmuting himself? He can. Uh, we'll give this a go. So so um, Jenny uh, Jenny has uh, some questions uh, around using uh, NVDA with uh, PacMate, and so so we have uh, some general questions about uh, letters being highlighted and uh, the difference between various focus modes in NVDA uh, mm-hmm. Holly. So I don't know. I, I suppose there are sort of two two ways we, we can we can go here. Um, I don't know if you have any experience of using a PacMate with NVDA, but if not, um, where where are some where are some places that that we could go maybe to find out questions, sort of fairly specific questions like that? Yeah, so I personally don't use a PacMate. What I would recommend um, firstly is checking out the NVDA user guide. And I know that might sound really obvious and you might go, well, I've already done that, which is absolutely fair enough, but it is a very comprehensive document and it does talk in length about the different cursors. Um, What I would also recommend is um, the PacMate, I believe is a Freedom Scientific product. Now someone correct me if I'm wrong. So if it's a an issue with the actual piece of technology, I would reach out to them. Although Freedom Scientific does not make NVDA, they make JAWS, they do make the, the PacMate itself. But then I would also look at things like the RNIB, if you're in the UK, they have a technology support team, I think it's called Tech for Life. So they can actually get people to help you with very specific um troubleshooting kinds of problems so those are a few resources that i think are uh, that's how i would handle it personally yeah i actually wonder whether it's worth uh, i've just found jenny in the list whether it's worth asking mm-hmm. jenny to uh unmute because i uh we may not have actually uh covered the exact question that we want her to answer but um i'm not sure if i completely understand the question either um so i might just ask jenny to unmute and see if she can <laughs> there we go oh Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I'm I'm not very used to Zoom, so I wasn't sure if I was supposed to do something. To oh, that. sorry. Okay. I didn't mean to just drop you in. It normally asks for permission, so I don't know why it didn't uh, why it didn't do it that time. <laughs> we can mute right. you again if you want. No, no, <laughs> First of all, I just want to say I really am enjoying this meeting, and um, uh, yeah, I am. You can probably tell from my accent. I'm in the United States, um, but I. Um, yeah, my question is, uh, the, the question about cursor highlighting was actually more directed to uh, use with the Braille extender add-on, because I noticed uh, every time I, I restart the computer, it says uh, dots, it, it keeps enabling dot seven and eight and like highlighting everything that's in focus that I don't want it to highlight. If, if I want to use the cursor, I want to just highlight what I want to highlight. And so every time I restart, I have to disable dot seven and eight, but I still have NVDA settings, they show cursor. So that's confusing. And then my related question regarding the focus and review cursor, those two cursors, I I just don't understand how they relate to each other and when I would use them. And yes, sorry, that's a bit of a handful. Okay, so about the um, Braille extender add-on, I would actually recommend, um, so on the web page for the add-on, it does actually list the author. So I would reach out to the the person who created the add-on if it seems to be a problem specifically with that add-on. 
because it may be that it's a bug. Now, I don't use that add-on because I'm a JAWS user, so I can't tell you if it's um, specifically a bug with that, but I would reach out to the author um, of the add-on okay. and see if, if it's a known bug or if it's specific to your installation of the add-on. It may also be that the add-on has some settings as well, specific to Braille Extender. Um, some NVDA add-ons do have their own settings. So I'd, I'd look for those. In terms of actually what the different cursors do in NVDA, so I would go back to the NVDA user guide, um, which is quite a big document, but it's, it's split into all these sections because it does describe in detail the different cursors. So that should be able to explain um, what the various different review and the screen cursors do, because I, I know again that it can be kind of confusing. Okay, thank you. You know, yeah. sometimes sometimes people think of manuals as these really, really boring things that no one wants to read. And to be honest, a lot of the time they are. But actually, sometimes if you if you take yeah. the time to to sit down and, and sort of skim read them, let's say, you can actually find out a lot. But uh, I think that's definitely a case of uh, do as I say and not as I do there, because <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely guilty for uh, to uh, to not read the oh, uh, manual. Um, we've got an interesting, really interesting question from Chris Payne in the chat, actually. So he has uh, an SD card with a number of Braille files on it. I'm assuming we're talking about BRF there. And mm -hmm. uh, whenever he tries to open them on his laptop, he gets a dialogue asking him to uh, choose a program to open them with. So mm -hmm. um, I suppose there we're, we're talking about what what ways are there to view, uh, I assume, BRF files on, on Windows and hopefully in conjunction with a Braille display. <laughs> I'm going to pass over to Matthew actually for this one purely because Matthew w works in transcription and sure. deals in BRF files. <laughs> so what I would suggest you do, um, and th there are various ways of doing this, there is not a, a one perfect solution, but what I would suggest you do is open the BRF file in Notepad. Uh, when it asks you which app do you want to open it with, choose Notepad or possibly WordPad, but you want it in a fairly light program. You don't want to open it in something like Microsoft Word because it will try yeah. and spell check it and it will go horribly wrong. So open it in Notepad. And then what you need to do is set your screen reader uh, to computer Braille because BRF files are written in computer Braille. Uh, set it to US computer Braille. Um and then preferably six dot computer braille. And the reason why you want it in six dot computer braille is because a lot of BRF files have all the letters in uppercase. So if you have it in eight dot computer braille, you'll have lots of dot sevens all over the place and it'll really distract you. Uh, so you either want it to set to six dot computer braille or uh, certainly in JAWS, you can't actually find six dot computer braille, but there is a, sep a separate option. There's a separate checkbox in the settings center that says, um, I think it's show eight dot braille. Uh, but make sure either 6.braille is on or 8.braille is off, uh, wh whichever way your screen reader decides to show you that option or choose 6.computerbraille, and that's probably the easiest way to view a BRF file on Windows. Great. That's a very helpful response. Just to add to that, that George Bell and, uh, has, uh, has helpfully commented that you could, if you have Duxbury, um, also open the BRF file true. in Duxbury and read it that way. And just a quick one from Steve asking if you could repeat the name of the second NVDA add-on uh, besides Braille Extender. Okay, yeah. So the um, the second add-on is, I'm 
presuming you mean actually the one I talked about first, um, which is PC Braille keyboard input for NVDA. Great, thank you, thank you for that. I don't believe we have any uh, more questions in the chat for now. Well, we are at eight thirty practically, so I am going to wrap up. I know this wasn't ideal with um, not being able to raise hands, so I'm very sorry about that. Um, but I hope that you know those of you who joined got to learn something about setting up braille with your screen reader and if you do have any more questions always feel free to reach out to us at help at braillist.org um, a recording of this will go up on our website but before we wrap up um, I will pass over to well I don't know if Matthew you want to talk about our equipment for people in the UK and Ireland yeah I can certainly do that so um, this this session's been made possible thanks to the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust and we'd like to extend our thanks to that as part of that the the WCMT's also given us some money to give away some slates and styluses uh, we, uh, some abacuses uh, lots of other equipment uh, very low cost equipment of that nature uh, unfortunately you have to be resident in the UK or Ireland in order to receive that equipment and uh, we would also politely ask that you subscribe to our newsletter um, just so that we, we have a record of you Great, well hopefully some of you are able to take advantage of that offer and once again thanks for joining us today 